Well, good morning to each and every one of you. I am so pumped, so excited to see all of you who have joined us here on site. And a shout-out welcome to those of you who have joined us online. And a special shout-out welcome to our guests in our city across the nation of Canada and globally around the world who have joined us today. How many people are ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? We're going to delve into God's Word, and at the end of the sermon, we're going to celebrate communion together. And if you're watching online, we invite you to get some crackers and juice ready, and we'll be celebrating communion together. Well, we're in a seven-part sermon series that we're calling Stronger. And we're taking seven Sundays to explore the full armor of God, because we believe God wants us to be, to be suited and booted and spiritually dressed for battle, ready to stand strong when the enemy attacks us. We understand that we're not strong, but Jesus is strong. Amen. And in the first message, we talked about the belt of truth. In the second message, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. In the third message, we talked about the shoes of peace. And last Sunday, we explored the shield of faith. And this morning, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and we're going to talk today about the, the helmet of salvation. Paul was chained to a Roman guard 24-7, and he looked at the armor that the Roman centurion was wearing, and he put a spiritual application to it. What he saw in the natural, he knew could happen in the spiritual. And he said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation. And so this morning, for a few moments, I want to share with you, if I could, four thoughts. And the first thing I want to begin with, number one, is two key introductory thoughts that I think is very, very foundational for this message today. And the first thing I want you to write into your notes is just like a helmet protects our head physically, We're going to learn today that salvation protects our minds spiritually. Just like a helmet protects your head physically, salvation protects your mind spiritually. So we put on Facebook and social media inviting boys and girls to wear helmets this morning. And I saw some of our boys and girls coming into church today wearing bike helmets, hockey helmets, different kinds of helmets. Come on, let's applaud our boys and girls. They're wearing their helmet today. And I, I have a table filled with, with helmets here. So let's, let's talk about helmets. I mean, I mean this looks like a, like a bike helmet. And uh, every mom and dad knows children need to wear their bike helmet because in case they fall off their bike, right, we don't want their head to be damaged. And so they wear a bike helmet. And uh, I borrowed from one of our pastors his, uh, his motorcycle helmet. And I, I have a question for him. In fact, it concerns me. It's got scratches and dents on it. I don't know how that happened. I won't even go there. But I'm glad that he's wearing his motorcycle helmet. And because it protects you in case you fall off your bike, right? It protects you from head injury. And we understand that if you get a head injury, it can affect your brain, which can affect your motor skills, can affect how you walk, how you speak, how you think. I mean, it's so, so key. In fact, I even also have here a construction helmet. 
And uh, this was actually worn during the building program when we were building. And we'd put on the construction helmet and walk through the new building and see what it looked like. I've got a, I've got a, a road hockey goalie's mask here and uh, another goalie's mask here, nicely colored, and even another one. On and on it goes. And, and, and I've got a baseball helmet. Anybody ever play baseball growing up? I played baseball, and you had to wear the baseball helmet when you're up to bat, just in case the pitcher didn't pitch too well, and kaboom, kabang. Now, I've got a couple of football helmets here. I mean, here's a football helmet right here, football helmet here, and a football helmet right here, and I'm going to hold on to this huge football helmet, which was actually the football helmet. This is the real football helmet of Connor Williams, who played for the Ottawa football team here. This is his helmet that was worn in the Great Cup Finals when Ottawa won in 2016. Come on, I'm holding on to it. This is gold, isn't it? It weighs a lot of pounds. And he was on the defense line. He's uh, now stepped out of the football career, and it's got lots of padding on the inside. And I have another special football helmet here. And you might be surprised that I have this one. This is from the Calgary Stampeders. This was worn by Henry Burris. And when he was playing for the Calgary Stampeders, this is his actual football helmet. How many people know football players who never go on the field without a helmet on, right? You gotta wear, gotta wear your helmet. And uh, so helmets protect your head physically from any kind of injury, protects your head uh, for any kind of injury. And salvation, we're gonna learn today, protects our minds spiritually. So the Romans would actually wear an old helmet like this that would be made out of bronze or iron, and it would be, it would be very, very heavy. Picture an iron or a bronze helmet that a, a Roman centurion would wear, and they would fill it on the inside with leather and padding, and they would even have stuff on the front to protect their face. And, and uh, they would even put some decorative stuff on top, feathers, way up. And they say sometimes the feathers were so long that they go right down their back. And they would actually also, just like goalies, I mean, goalies would paint up their helmets, right? You've seen goalies, they paint up their helmets, and they put a little decor on it. And I'm told that the Roman centurions would decor their helmets, and they would paint a farm scene on it. They would. And they would paint some animals on it, and they'd paint some fruit on it. And sometimes they would even shape their helmet in the shape of an animal, like a horse or even an elephant. And they stood out when they were wearing their helmet. Now, I'm going somewhere with this point. Just like a Roman centurion would wear a helmet that was noticeable, how many people believe our salvation needs to be noticeable? And we need to wear it and show it and not be ashamed of it. And so we're learning today that just like a physical helmet protects our head from injuries and it protects us physically, we're going to learn today that salvation protects our minds spiritually. I want to show you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, down to verse 6. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and I don't often read from the, the message translation, but today I want to read from the message translation 
verse 3 down to verse 6, Paul said the world is unprincipled. It is dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. We never have, and we never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. For we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse in the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. And we're going to learn today that when we cover our minds and we surround our minds with salvation, we have a supernatural protection from the attacks of the enemy. Now, I'm told that a Roman soldier, the reason why the Roman soldier would wear the bronze or the iron helmet is because of swords that would come at them or spears. And they even have the warrior axe, that the warrior would wave the axe and, and go for the head. But when they were wearing the bronze or the iron helmet, they were protected from the axe. They were protected from the spear. They were protected from the sword. And when we have salvation tightly wrapped around our minds and understand what it is, church, we're going to be protected from the attacks of the enemy. The Bible says that Satan is a thief, a liar, a killer, and a destroyer. Am I right? The Bible says that his native language is lies. There's no truth in him. The enemy is going to speak lies into your mind. The enemy is going to try to tell you you're worthless. The enemy is going to try to tell you you will never be healed. The enemy is going to try to tell you your marriage will never be restored. The enemy is going to try to tell you you will never amount to anything. But when we've got salvation wrapped around our mind, we're going to be protected from those lies of the enemy. Come on, how many people are glad we can be protected protected from the lies of the enemy. So just like a helmet protects us physically, salvation protects our mind spiritually. The second thought I want you to write in your notes, a vital part in our spiritual victory lies in our ability to think right. You ever met someone who had a concussion I mean, they're confused. They don't think right. Sometimes they don't walk right. Sometimes they don't speak right. And when your head gets hit hard, it can confuse you. It can affect how you think. It can affect how you speak. It can affect how you walk. And so spiritually, when we have salvation wrapped around our mind, it's going to help us to think right. And when we think right, we're going to feel right. And when we think right and feel right, we're going to live right. We're going to do right. So part of our spiritual victory is learning to think right. I want to give you two verses. Isaiah 59, 17 is an Old Testament verse that talks about God. And talks about God being the helmet of salvation. 
He says, put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And that's an Old Testament scripture that talks about God being our salvation. And then there's a New Testament scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. Paul said, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So a vital part of our victory lies in our ability to think right. I want to take you to number two, and I want to give you a little bit of ancient Greek word study of the key words in this verse. Take up the helmet of salvation. And I think this is going to drive it home. Let me show you what the word take actually means. Now, before I give you what take means, I want to show you that the original Greek, when it's translated here in the NIV, take up the helmet of salvation, the original Greek is better translated, take up the helmet, which is salvation. I like that. Take up the helmet, which is salvation. Now, the Greek word take simply means to receive or accept or welcome. You receive, you accept, and you welcome salvation. That's what the word take means. And then the word helmet is actually a combination of two Greek words. And you put the two Greek words together, and it means around the head. That's what a helmet means in the original language, around the head. And so just like a Roman centurion would, would get a helmet made of bronze or iron and shape it to their heads, and they would wrap the helmet tightly and firmly around their head. When we use the word helmet in a spiritual context, we are tightly wrapping around our entire head salvation. So the word take means to receive, accept, or welcome. And helmet means around the head. Now salvation is an amazing word. How many people are glad for salvation? Anybody this morning in this first service glad for salvation? Come on, anybody glad for salvation? I'm glad for salvation. And it actually comes from an ancient great Greek word, soterio, which actually means rescue or deliver. When you got saved, God rescued you from your sin. You may not have known this, but you were lost and you were hopeless. But God sent his only son, Jesus, and Jesus rescued us from our sin. Jesus freed us from our sin. I'm preaching now, church. Jesus set us free from our sin. He rescued us. He came to earth for us. He died on a cross for us. He brought us deliverance. He rescued us. He gave us freedom. Could you put your hands together and celebrate the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ? That's what the ancient Greek word soterial means to rescue. It means to deliver. It means to bring freedom. And so we've got to learn to take and receive and welcome this salvation. And we've got to learn to wrap that salvation tightly around our mind because we understand salvation is freedom. Salvation is deliverance. Salvation is God rescuing us. I want to take you to the third thing that I want to share with you. I want to give you three aspects of salvation. 
And if we understand these three aspects of salvation, we will then be ready to take the application of this message. Now, Paul was writing to a church in Corinth, and I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 1, verse 10. And he uses this word salvation. And he illustrates for us the three aspects of salvation. Now, the context is Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. And he's making reference to what they experienced in the province of Asia and how they were going through trials and tribulations and trials and how God gave them salvation, how God rescued them, how God delivered them. So watch this. Look at verse 10. It's on the screen. He has delivered us or he has saved us or he has rescued us. He, from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us or save us or rescue us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. In this verse, Paul teaches us that there is a past salvation, there is a future salvation, and there is a present salvation. And he compares it to the trials of life. He has rescued us. He will rescue us. And he is rescuing us. And so with that in mind, I want to give you the three aspects of salvation. The first aspect, number one, is past salvation. And your past salvation is the moment you were saved. And the key word here is you have been saved. When you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you were rescued from your sin, amen. When you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you were delivered from your sin. It says here, I want you to put this in your notes, your position in Christ saves you from the penalty of sin. And so when Jesus went to the cross and died for you, he saved you, he rescued you, he paid the price for your sin, and he, he now, when you accepted him in your life, you were positioned as a child of God. Some of you, you gave your heart to Jesus as a young boy. Some of you gave your heart to Jesus as an adult. But when you asked Jesus Christ into your life, you were rescued, you were saved, you were delivered from your sin, and he positioned you as a child of the living God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and verse 9, here it is, it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Anybody this morning glad that Jesus saved you from your sins? Anybody glad? When you look back, you remember that day, I asked Jesus Christ into my life. That's the first component of salvation. You have been saved. But then there's number two. There's present salvation. Not in the sense that the penalty of your sin was taken care of. But this is the wording, you are being saved. You are being rescued. You are being delivered. Not from the penalty of sin. Your progress in Christ saves you from the power of sin. Boys and girls, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, adults, when you asked Jesus Christ in your life, you were set free from the penalty of sin. You couldn't pay the price. Jesus paid the price. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. But now the progress of your salvation is you, by the power of God's Spirit, become more and more like Jesus Christ every single day. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How many people know that when you get saved, Jesus can still do a fresh work in your life? How many people believe that Jesus can set us free from hurts and habits and hang-ups? Anybody this morning believe that? Anybody in the house this morning believe that Jesus can still set us free from hurts and habits and hang-ups. That's the progress of your salvation. That's the ongoing work of your salvation. But then there's number three, future salvation. You shall be saved. Your future hope is to be saved from the presence of sin. I've got good news for you. Someday, Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. Amen. Someday, we're going to go to heaven. Someday, we're going to live with the Lord forevermore. Anybody, anybody in the house today excited about heaven. I can't wait. I can't wait. Our ultimate hope is someday we're going to see him face to face, and we're going to be freed from the presence of sin. Paul said in Romans 5 verse 9, for since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So if you're tracking with me today, there is a past salvation. You have been saved, and someday we will be saved from the presence of sin, the presence of this world, and we're going to have ultimate salvation, and we're going to be with the Lord, and we're going to live with Him forever. Amen. But while we're here on earth, Jesus is still working on our life. That's the progressive salvation. And while we're in the here and now, here's what I'm trying to say to you. The enemy wants to attack you. The enemy wants to throw his lies at you, just like a Roman soldier has to wear the helmet to protect him from the spears, from the swords, from the axe, just like a football player needs to wear their helmet to protect them from, from, from the blows of another football player, just like a baseball player has to wear the baseball hat to protect their head from the baseball that's being thrown towards them, just like a hockey player is going to wear the hockey helmet to protect them from the puck that flies at them. Church, I'm here to say to you, we've got a welcome and receive and allow salvation to be wrapped completely around our mind and understand that we have been saved by faith. Amen. We've got a position as a child of the living God. The penalty of our sin has been taken care of. Someday we're going to get to heaven. We're going to receive the ultimate hope of eternity with Jesus Christ. And we're going to be freed from this world. Amen. But while we're here on earth and as the enemy is throwing his attacks at our mind, we can have our mind wrapped by salvation. Somebody give a little amen today. We can have salvation wrapped all the way around our minds. So I want to take you to number four, and I want to leave you this morning with three keys that I'm learning to live out in my life for winning the battle in my mind. Because I'm no different than you. Satan throws lies at me. The enemy throws lies at me and says, this place will never be filled again. 
The enemy throws lies at me and says, we'll never get back to where we were as a church. The enemy throws lies at me that, 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 that things aren't going to get better. How many people know this is Jesus' church and he's going to build his church, amen? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The enemy tries to tell you you're not going to receive your healing. The enemy tries to tell you that you're not going to get victory from the habit that you've got in your life. The enemy tries to tell you you're never going to get out of your problem or dilemma. I'm here to expose the devil today. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. God is calling the church to stand strong in our position in Christ. Satan was defeated when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus Christ disarmed the, Jesus Christ disarmed the enemy. The enemy can kick hard at us, but we can have the helmet of salvation covering our mind so that when the enemy throws a lie at us, we can speak the truth of God's Word over the lie. The truth of God is way more powerful than the lie of the enemy. Come on, somebody give a little shout in this place. The truth of God's Word is way more powerful than the lie of the enemy. So what are the three things that I do? Number one, renewing your mind. I pray that, that Holy Spirit would keep on renewing my mind, making it new, making it fresh in Christ. Cover me by the Holy Spirit. Just, just covering my mind and protecting my mind from the lies that the devil tries to put into my mind. Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. And I invite you today to keep on saying, Holy Spirit, renew my mind in Christ Jesus. Do an inner work in my mind. Cover my mind. Refresh my mind. Renew my mind. Renew my mind. Then there's number two, refocus your mind. And I'm calling the church today to refocus your mind. Don't look down, look up. Don't look at your problem, look at the problem solver, amen? Don't look at your disease, look to the healer. Don't look to discouragement, look to the encourager. Is there a witness in the house today? Refocus your mind, your heart, and your thoughts. It says in Philippians 4, 7 and 8, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'm calling you today, think about Jesus Fix your eyes on Jesus. Get the Word of God into you. Pray to Him. Call out to Him. Ask Him to renew your mind by the power of your Holy Spirit. And then refocus your thoughts not on the problem, but on the problem solver. Not upon the sickness, but upon the healer. Not upon what He can do for you, but on who He is. And so church, every day I get up and I come to this church and I don't let the enemy get into my mind and get into my head. I, I gird up the loins of my mind. That's what Peter said. Gird up the loins of your mind. And the analogy is of a Roman wearing the long tunic. And before the Roman would run the race or work, they would, they would lift up the tunic and they would put it into their belt. They would gird up the loins of their garment. Girding up the loins of our mind is taking every loose thought that is out of balance and out of control and lining up with the word of the 
living God. When we say, I'm not going to focus on the lie of the devil, Satan, you are a liar, a deceiver, a destroyer, and a killer. But Jesus, you've come that I might have life, and I might have life more abundantly. And just like a Roman soldier would wear the helmet, I'm going to let salvation be wrapped around me. I know that positionally I'm a child of Jesus Christ because he paid the penalty for my sin. I know someday I'm going to be freed from the presence of sin and I'm going to be in heaven. But right now I'm caught between. Right now I'm walking in this journey. But I've got salvation around me. Devil, you can throw whatever you want at me. But I've got the protection of the helmet. The helmet, I take it. I receive my salvation. I wrap my salvation around my mind. I cover my mind by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord today. So the last word that I want to leave with you today is something that I do all the time, realigning your mind. I say, Holy Spirit, renew my mind. And then I allow myself to refocus my mind. But now that we're stepping into the fall season, let's realign, let's realign our mind back in alignment with what God's word says. Do you know, occasionally I hear people say this to me, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Now, I want you to think about that for the moment. Who's the groom of the church? Jesus. Who's the bride? You're the bride. If you came to me and said, Mark, I like you. I just don't like your wife. Well, if you don't like my wife, you don't like me. Are you with me today, friends? How can we say, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. I'm here to declare to you, if you love Jesus, you're going to love his bride. You're going to love his church. Jesus shed his blood for his church. And I think, friends, we need to always, at all times, realign our life under the word of the living God. And so, in conclusion, I want to declare to you, church, do not walk in defeat. Amen. Walk and live in victory. Allow the helmet around your mind to be salvation. Let Jesus be your protector. Let Jesus protect your mind. Get your thoughts lined up under the Word of God. When the devil gives you fear, say, I rebuke the fear. I pray now the peace of the living God. When the devil tries to give you worry, say, I'm releasing my worry. I'm now praying for the peace of God. How many people know Jesus is stronger and bigger and mightier? Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord. God. I want to invite you to stand with me because in a couple of moments we are going to partake of communion together. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Jesus took my place on a cross some 2,000 years ago. And moms and dads, as you've got your children with you today, I want to invite you to take responsibility with your children to celebrate communion together. And I want to invite you to get this little package that you picked up on the way in and just peel back the top layer. And once you peel back the top layer, there's a little wafer, and I want you to hold on to the little wafer. The little wafer represents the body of Jesus Christ. The cup of juice. Just open up the cup of juice, get it ready. Represents 
the blood of Jesus. I pray that everyone in this room, everyone that's watching on live streaming, would never take for granted what Jesus did for you. He rescued you. He rescued you. Just like someone in the middle of an ocean and the waves rushing and the sharks are present and there's not a boat in sight and all of a sudden the army sweeps over in their helicopter and drops down the lifeline and one of the soldiers comes down and picks you up and gets you onto the ladder and brings you to the safety of the helicopter you couldn't rescue yourself you couldn't save yourself you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and there's nothing you can do and then the military shows up come on wouldn't that be powerful one day when there's nothing you could do for yourself to save you God showed up and he sent the rescuer Jesus Christ to this world and Jesus the rescuer the freer the deliverer the savior died on a cross for our sins anybody glad that Jesus died on a cross for our sins come on anybody glad amen may we never forget so father we bow our heads before we partake of these emblems I'm praying Jesus that no one in this house would ever forget what you've done for us. You saved us. You rescued us. You delivered us. And we give you praise. Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. Whether you're standing in this auditorium or you're watching online, before we partake of communion, I want to ask you this question. Was there a time was there a place? Was there a moment that you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life? Are you ready for heaven if today was the day that you stepped into eternity? You see, the way to experience salvation is to accept Jesus in your life, to repent of your sin and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Have you personally asked Jesus into your life? I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I want you to know beyond any shadow of doubt that you're going to heaven before you partake of these emblems. You're standing here today and you can't answer that question with a definite yes. Or you're watching online and you can't answer that question with a definite yes. I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Look this way. You're standing here and you accepted Jesus Christ in your life. You made the best decision of your life.
And if you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, we'd love to have you join us in the journey. And if you're on site and you accepted Christ on your way out, there's, there's, there's a table outside. You can drop by. We got a Bible for you. It's free. We got a little booklet for you that can help you in your new faith journey. It's free. We've got ministries that we can show you that are here to help you. And if you're watching online and you accepted Christ, send us an email. Reach out to us. And we're going to reach back to you. We're going to help you in your new faith journey. Well, friends, hold up the wafer. It represents the body of Jesus. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the wafer that represents the body of Jesus. I want you to hold up the cup. It contains the juice. It represents the blood of Jesus. He said, do this also in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup of juice. I want you to put that cup down and I want you to put your hands together and give one loud clap offering of praise to our Lord God. How many people are glad Jesus saved you, amen? How many people are glad that God the Father sent His Son Jesus to this world? Amen. How many people are looking forward to heaven? Amen. Well, we're going to lift our Well, Pastor Brad, you're going to lift your voice. See, I want to get you all singing, but we can kind of clap, all right? Come on, let's start clapping. Pastor Brad, worship team, lead us in salvation is here. Oh
Amen. How many people standing here today need a miracle from the Lord? Just lift up your hand. You need a miracle from God, whatever it is. We believe nothing is impossible with God. The devil's trying to tell you that you're not going to receive your miracle, but we're going to believe by faith in the name of the Lord that the God of the supernatural would step in this morning. Before we close this service, if you need a miracle, just lift your hands towards the heavens. Father God, I pray for everyone in this auditorium who are lifting up their hands right now. And I pray for those, God, that are watching online that need a miracle. I know, Lord, that the devil will try to tell them that they will never receive their miracle. We rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. God, we cover our minds with the helmet of salvation. And we pray, God, that our mind would be protected, our focus would be on you. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those that have disease in their body, that you would be their healer in the name of Jesus. I pray cancer would be gone. I pray brain tumor would be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray back pain would be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, whatever the need physically, it would be met in you today. I pray, God, for those that need a miracle in their marriage and their family. Would you be the miracle in the home in Jesus' name? For those that need a miracle in their finances, would you be the miracle worker in the name of Jesus? Father God, we also pause and pray for all of our children and all of our youth that are heading back to school and our, and our young adults going back to school. But God, especially the young children, I know parents are nervous. We pray everything would be all right. We pray, God, for every teacher, help them in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, over the next few weeks that the cases of coronavirus would not go up, but they would go down in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that this virus would break in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. I want everyone just to lift your hands now. I want to close and pray for everyone. Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every, every boy, every girl, every young person. Cover our minds in Jesus' name. Just like the Roman centurion would wear the helmet, may we wear salvation tightly wrapped around our minds. I pray, Lord, that when the enemy speaks lies, those lies would deflect off of the covering of salvation over our minds. I pray that in the name of Jesus. I pray no fear, no worry, no panic, no lie of the enemy would get into our minds. I pray that freedom in the name of Jesus. So God, give us a great week. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord.